Hello and welcome to Nerd Subculture. I'm your host, Jared. And I'm Edwina. And if you listen to this, this is our You're Watching That Again movie review podcast. Eddie, today we are doing 2003 X-Men 2, X-Men United. Or X2. They kind of dropped the United part, didn't they? It was just always called X2. Uh, I think it's just uh, internationally it was X-Men 2. Yeah. Like. Yeah, it was just X-Men 2, not X2, X-Men United. Yeah, yeah. it's too long, isn't it? Just X2. Yeah. So it, it goes by all of the above. All of the above. <laughs> but regardless, it's a great film starring Patrick Stewart, Hugh Jackman, Ian McCullen, Halle Berry, Fermanka Jensen, James Marston, Anna Packwood. I could keep going on, but I'll stop there. And directed by Brian Singer, Eddie. All right. Warning. This is a full spoiler podcast. Warning. If you haven't seen the movie, please come back when you have. Um, we are discussing our favourite movies that we have seen way too many times and why we love them. Yes. And this is also our movies out of the hat. We did the three, didn't we? We got the X-Men. Yeah. So we did the first X-Men. We're doing X2. Then we're going to do X... What are we doing next? The Days of Future Past. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm also thinking of Logan as well. Ooh. When I started... Yeah. <laughs> well, when I started... Um, Doing this, some of the themes are very similar to Logan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I started thinking about Logan. <laughs> so I was like, oh, actually. Oh, we can save that for another day. Um, yeah. We can always come back to that one. Yeah. Uh, so, Eddie, just a quick off the bat, what was it like the first time you saw it? What was it like revisiting it? Is it, is it still held up? Is it still good? Is it bad? Is it What is it? How do you feel? Yeah, so this is so yeah, this is one of my picks. <laughs> yeah. Um and yeah, I, like us still this movie really holds up and it's actually a lot better than the first movie, which I when we rewatched, we both kind of went, "Oh, it's not as good as I remember it being." Yeah, the first one, yeah, I did feel that. Yeah. Uh but this one it was definitely no, nah, it's really good. Yeah. <laughs> it's really really good. Yeah. Um yeah, so I think I, I saw this at the cinemas. And yeah, we, we actually saw this at the cinemas together. together. Yeah, yeah. And I I just remember, because it was just everywhere from memory, and it, like every two seconds there was an ad for it on TV. <laughs> uh, I remember like, ter- you know, changing the channel, closing my eyes, you know, covering <laughs> it was my everywhere. ears. Like just trying not to see the, the trailer because at the time trailers – Kind of like to spoil the whole bloody movie. Yeah, they still do sometimes. Some do commit are, that they, act. They've, they do it less often now. Yeah, yeah. Often they use cuts that aren't in the film, I've noticed. Yeah. So that's not actually a new thing. They did do that in older films, but it does seem more prominent now. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Even digitally altering scenes. Yes. I think like uh, X, uh, Avengers where you saw um, Thanos with the glove. And they removed the stones he had yeah. in that scene, so it didn't yeah. give away obviously what was going to happen. So yeah. yeah. So now they make deliberately misleading. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to show you the film anymore. Yeah. They show you the wrong film. <laughs> yeah, because I think in some of those they had Iron like um oh no I think Iron Man was in it, but it was actually Hulk in the Iron Man suit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it was, yeah, it was um deliberately. Like these deliberately misleading uh, trailers, but also because now there's like a whole industry of people that 
breakdown trailers. <laughs> yeah, it is. That's an industry, breaking down a trailer. Yeah, yeah, and like looking for like where it could be going, like, you know, what theories. You know, what does What's it mean? What's that character? What, what, yeah. what role will they have? And yeah, that's an Easter egg from this. And there's maybe a this panel is... in the background and that's only used in this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, so, but anyway, back then they, they would give away the whole movie in a trailer. So I just remember completely trying to avoid it. Mm-hmm. And then I think we went to see it as soon as I think the weekend it came out. Yeah. So and uh, yeah. And it still, it still holds up. Yep. Yeah. And I have the DVDs as well. And mm-hmm. I do have a funny story about the DVDs. Okay. All right. I'm not sure what that is. Um, so I've got the, it's the extended um, or the director's cut version of uh, X-Men. Yeah, I don't think there was anything different in it though, was there? Yeah, there's extra footage. So that scene, um, the scene in the mansion with Wolverine where he just cuts sick yeah, uh, is far more. Oh, it is, isn't there's it? There's a lot more to it. Uh, it's far more gruesome. I think that might have been the international release ones that had that. Yeah. From doing some reading, the, the US ones toned that down a lot, but the overseas ones didn't. Yeah. I believe. And I think they did also cut it for time as well because, like, it does go on a little bit longer. But, yeah, anyway, that scene is gruesome. And, anyway, I think I had it on. I was watching it and, and, you know, you've got Hugh Jackman absolutely tearing it up, like absolutely kicking ass, Mm -hmm. full macho demon grunting, you know, masculine energy. And I turn it off and... Hugh Jackman's hosting the, the the Tony Awards, and is and li- like I literally just turned it off for a couple of seconds because I had to go do something With the maracas, and it, it's Hugh Jackman <laughs> doing the maracas, hosting the the um doing the boy from Oz and hosting the Tony Awards, oh, and it was just such a stark contrast. Mm. Yeah, yeah. All right. Uh, so before we get into more, we'll just do a summary and then we'll get back to it. Yep. In the heart of the White House, a brainwashed mutant with teleportation abilities launches a vicious attack on the president. Following the events of the first X-Men installment, Logan embarks on a quest to unravel the mysteries of his past, but in his search yields nothing and returns back to Professor Xavier's School for Mutants, seeking refuge and guidance. Xavier, utilizing Cerebro, tracks down the elusive mutant known as Nightcrawler. While Xavier and Cyclops venture forth to interrogate the imprisoned Magneto, Storm and Jean Grey embark on a mission to retrieve Nightcrawler. At the White House, Colonel William Stryker, a military scientist, gains a presidential approval to investigate Xavier's mansion due to its expected connections to the mutant incident. Stryker's forces infiltrate the school, abducting some of the students. Colossus, one of the remaining mutants, leads the others to safety, while Logan, Rogue, Iceman, and Pyro manage to escape. During the chaos of the attack, Logan confronts Stryker, who not only recognizes him as Wolverine, but also possesses knowledge about his obscure past. Simultaneously, Cyclops and Xavier are captured by Stryker's assistant. Mystique, the shape-shifting mutant, Cunningly extracts information regarding Magneto's imprisonment and subsequently aids in his escape. In her quest for answers, she stumbles upon plans for a second Cerebro. Logan, Rogue, Iceman and Pyro journey to Boston where they visit Iceman's family. 
It is during this encounter that they reunite with Storm, Jean Grey and Nightcrawler. The X-Jet carrying the group back to the mansion comes under attack by fighter jets. However, Magneto emerges to save them from the fatal crash. Revealing Striker's nefarious intentions, Magneto discloses that the scientist plans to utilize a second Cerebro to eradicate mutants. Striker has learned to manipulate and control mutants as evidenced by the attack on the President. Drawing insights from Nightcrawler's thoughts, Jean determines that Striker's subterranean stronghold resides within a dam at Alkali Lake. Taking on the appearance of Logan, Mystique infiltrates Striker's base and grants access to the remaining mutants. Magneto and Mystique set out to disable Cerebro before Xavier, now under Striker's control, can activate it. Storm and Nightcrawler rescue the captured students while Jean engages in a fierce battle against the mind-controlled Cyclops. Their clash inadvertently damages the dam, triggering a rupture that threatens catastrophe. Amidst the chaos, Logan locates Stryker in an adamantium smelting lab, a place that triggers fragmented memories of his past. In a brutal showdown, Logan confronts and ultimately eliminates Lady Deathstrike. Magneto, aided by Mystique posing as Stryker, redirects Cerebro's powers towards humans and chaining Stryker to a fence, escaping in his helicopter. Nightcrawler teleports Storm to disrupt Cerebro, freeing Xavier. The X-Men flee the flooding dam, but the powerless X-Jet struggles to take off. Jean sacrifices herself by holding the water back. Later, the X-Men hand Stryker's files to the present as Xavier warns him that humans and mutants must work together to build peace. Meanwhile, a phoenix-like shape rises from the flood at Alkali Lake. The end. Rising from the ashes, Eddie. So after when we were watching this, you asked me if there was an end credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, no, there's definitely they didn't do I didn't end think they did, but it's then. one of those things that we didn't stick around to watch and it's a lot easier to sort of scroll the mouse across to see if there is one. Yeah. Just in case. But it does have that end scene. It's not an end credit scene, it's just an end scene. Yeah. Where you see the phoenix rise. If the movie had have been made today, that would have been an end that, credit it, scene. Yep, it would have been, yeah. So I feel like it might have been a bit of an influence on the end credit scene. Oh, Because it sort yeah, of leads, maybe. so it sort of leads into the phoenix saga. I mean, that's something movies used to do anyway, you know, with something at the end. Um, now the end credit scene is something we expect. It was, it was virtually unheard of. You could count on your hand how many... Films that end. Like well, end movies scene. also used to do. They'd just do a trilogy. You wouldn't do a full franchise. Yeah. <laughs> like or true. Uh, but now it's sort of expected. You want the movie to be more than just a trilogy. It needs to be like a full franchise. Yeah, never ending. <laughs> it never ends. It's yeah. always going. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think this was originally only conceived the idea of a trilogy. Hmm. Yeah. Not a franchise that it became. Yeah. Uh, which is what sort of the third movie is kind of written, like it's written as a trilogy. So then they sort of have to backtrack it, <laughs> which is mm. what they do with Days of Future Past. And everybody loves the fact that they pretty much delete that third movie yeah. out of existence. Yeah. Just didn't quite stick the landing on that one, did they? I'd- it is that thing where what they did well in this movie was. A, they got all the original cast back, mm-hmm. but they didn't. They didn't add in too many 
extra characters. Yeah. They sort of kept it, like, because it was already a large cast, they just fleshed out those characters. In X3 from memory, I haven't seen it for a long time, I think they start trying to add in too many of these other external characters like Angel and Beast. And yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned Angel and Beast because they, they apparently did want them to be in this film and I, I don't understand the hard-on they have to introduce the character Angel. I feel like every time they've tried, they've failed and it doesn't seem like a really interesting character. I mean, a yeah. guy with wings seems a little campy yeah. these days, to be perfectly oh, honest. they brought him back in bloody... Um Apocalypse, Apocalypse. Yeah, again, and again, it didn't work. It didn't. I felt that character was well. The movie wasn't great anyway, but um, just let that character go. I, don't, I know he's one of the original X Men. Yeah, I think that's why they sort of want to bring that character on. But I just, I just feel like the idea of the character is a bit dated and it doesn't work. A, a character with actual wings is just a bit silly. I think. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make it doesn't make any sense. Uh, you can understand. I mean, to be fair, some of the other mutants in this don't really make much sense. There's a kid who can change the TV with blinking his eyes. The kid with the poking lizard tongue. Yeah. It seems a bit only tricky as. Yeah, well it is also the fact that they I think they did have budgetary restraints on this movie. So well, it had a, had a bigger budget than the previous film. It did have film. a bigger budget, but it still had restraints, which oh, of is course, why yeah. So there's no danger room, which you get in the third. Well, movie. apparently they there were some, there were, were numerous sets they built for this movie they didn't end up using, <laughs> um, and and characters not being in it. Toad was meant to be in it too, and I. But he was killed in the other movie. Well, not really. So he was, was Sabretooth. Struck by lightning. Because I heard I heard um Sabretooth was also supposed to yeah, be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this. I kind of feel like one of those soldiers kind of looked like Toad a little bit. Okay. Did you did you know did you feel that? Oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I know the one that you mean. Yeah, yeah. When he was, he was. But I think it was just makeup. Probably <laughs> like, was just makeup. Like but army. It, yeah, but when you first saw him, you thought, oh, that kind of looks like Toad. But um, apparently, scheduling uh, issues was why Ray Park didn't come back. But I, th- I think that might have been uh, maybe too much. Look, you got to give hands. You got to give credit down to this. And what I, th- I think I'd appreciate it much is is uh, is conducting the whole ensemble cast. Of- it was something that was done really well in Avengers that we thought, oh, that's really cool. They do a really good ensemble cast, but it turns out they've done it before and done it really well. So, yeah, um, yeah, I think I think that's that's uh, something that's a little underrated. Yeah, because as I said, when I when I was trying to do the the summary, I was having a lot of difficulties condensing it. Uh, they're all separate, hmm. like in what happens in Empire Strikes Back, is that they're all separated. They've all got different stories going on. They're all flesh like each individual little section it's, sort of fleshes out. It's its own out. little sort of yeah, uh, mini own, movie in yeah, its own. It's own. They've all got their own little stories going on that all meet up at the end or sort of in the end of the second act, they all sort of meet up again. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I definitely get that, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, comparison, yeah. <laughs> um, no uh, parental... Um, Reveals or anything like that? Well, the reveal is uh, that Stryker knows who Wolverine is and Stryker ha- was the one that did all the in- experimentation on him. Yeah. That, that's the big reveal. <laughs> and, that, and that Wolverine actually volunteered for it. Yeah. I thought there might have been one, you know, I am your mother scene. <laughs> I know in the comics and stuff that Mystique was meant to be Nightcrawler's mother. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I thought they were doing something similar. He had a little conversation with her, but it was just he just said, "Oh, you can copy anyone," and she just repeats it in his voice. 
Yeah. Uh, I think it was the only scene they sort of had together. Oh, no, no, no. He asked he, – no, it is actually quite an important scene because it, it is sort of one oh, of the – Oh, he asked meta- why it, change yourself, yeah. Yeah, it, it, is, we shouldn't a, have it to. is one of the metaphors and sort of the reason why she is part of the brotherhood Yeah, um, is because, she, like, she, you know, she isn't the bad guy you think she is. Like, you yeah. – she doesn't have, like, this – she's not – this pure well, evil. She well, just not, has. She I, just. She's just been. I wouldn't say bad guy. Maybe femme fatale. She could be. Yeah. You could put her in that category. Yeah. She probably gets fleshed out more in the other. The when they go back in mm. back to the beginning. Yeah. So to speak. But yeah, what she says is that she shouldn't have to hide. Because we shouldn't have to. You know that does come down to the metaphor. And well, well, they do, they do sort of red cotton her a little bit because they make they say that she's the same age as Xavier. Yes, no, so, but no, but also in those movies they say that she has she doesn't age. She's kind of like Wolverine. She oh, ages okay. at a slower rate. Oh, they oh, they covered that. Yeah. Also, she can change into whatever <laughs> she wants to be. Yeah. So why be blue? So they shouldn't have to change. Yeah. But like age wouldn't really matter in her case. Yeah. yeah true. True. Very humble. Uh, lots of bloobs. <laughs> <laughs> we get the return of the bloobs. Yeah. Um, blue butt as well. There was a little shot when yeah. she's walking away. I'm like, God, I see the crack in her ass. Then. <laughs> yes. They kind of sneaked that through the uh, uh, the censorship a little bit. Bit of a bare ass in yeah. there, I think, maybe. Bare butt. Blue blu- blut. Oh, no, it's still an M. Yeah. Yeah, M butt's okay. Um, so the plot of this movie was inspired by the graphic the X-Men graphic novel, God Loves, Man Kills. And it concerns the genocidal Colonel William Stryker leading an assault on Professor Xavier's school to build his own version of Xavier's mutant tracking computer Cerebro in order to destroy every mutant on Earth to save the human race, uh, forcing the X-Men to team up with the Brotherhood of Mutants their former enemies to stop Striker and save the mutant race. So I think the differences uh, from that to the film was that Striker wasn't a military leader. He was a, he was a oh, no, he religious he's... leader. No, he says it's a, he's a colonel. But I think he was from a religious. It was from a religious angle, not a military angle. No, definitely they, says. Yeah, no. In the well, in the. Where'd you read that? Uh, several places. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen. I've never seen <laughs> never anywhere seen uh, he was always military. No, no. Yeah, uh, even religious, here yeah. it has. He was a military. What well, in the film he is, but not. Yeah, no, but in the little thing about God loves man kills. Yeah. Okay. It says All he's right. a colonel, not a religious. It might have been a a uh, southern colonel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a southern colonel title. <laughs> Kentucky Fried Colonel. Yes. Yeah, so. Getting back to the cast. <laughs> oh, yes. Ensemble um, cast, uh, all-star cast too. Like every, oh, uh, yes. Like every, um, everyone's pretty much famous in this one, I'd say. You know, gone yes, on to greater things. I think they did rewrites because Halle Perry just... Um, won an Oscar. She just won an Oscar. So they're like, can we just put her in a few more scenes? <laughs> so I think that's why you get a lot more of her and Nightcrawler together. She's one of those characters that they kind of got a sideline because she's a little too OP. mm Otherwise, she could just solve all their problems, <laughs> kick everyone's <laughs> ass. Um, a characters are oh, Alan Cum- uh, Cumming Cunningham, Alan Cum- Cumming, yeah, 
Alan Cumming. I As Nightcrawler. I, I thought I was saying that wrong. He's, he's, well, Alan, he definitely came in this movie. And <laughs> uh, Nightcrawler, a, a underappreciated character, or I, I even underutilized. I'm, I'm, I'm disappointed they didn't bring him back for the for the rest. I really thought he was a, a really interesting character. I thought the design of the character was amazing too. Mm. I felt like he's, you know, I mean, he's similar to uh, Mystique, but I, I felt like he was was a lot more interesting. Yeah, and original. Um, yeah, so you've also got Brian Cox playing William Stryker, who yeah. is just one of those veteran actors um, that's been in just about everything. Like, yeah. I, I remember him from The Born Identity, and more recently, he was in the he's in the very popular HBO show Succession. Okay, yeah. What's um, that about? Uh, I know. I yeah, s- it's sort of. I'd say it's. It's King Lear. Okay, yeah. Oh, <laughs> it's yeah. pretty much a modern yeah. version of King Lear. Yeah. Um, and Lady Macbeth. Oh, sorry. King Lear and Macbeth kind of okay, merged. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, actually, that reminds me, there was a funny a funny line in this, an intentionally funny line, where uh, Brian Cox's character says to – I'll come back to the senator again. So Mystique's playing continues as that senator from the previous film. Yeah, because uh, she, she really well, – A, she's in hiding – uh, but B, as the senator, she has the power. She's a position to, of power, yeah. To stop, uh, you know, you know, to actually stand up for mutant rights. Yeah, uh, but there's a funny line that uh, Brian Cox's character says to the president, uh, to the uh, to the senator. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing this when you were chowing down on your mum's teeth when you're when you're at, at Woodstock. I was in Vietnam killing people when I, when you were. You'd, you know, sucking on your sucking mum's titty, titties, titties but stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I had to look it up, and those actors are actually the same age. So it was a weird. <laughs> I thought at the same at the at the time when he made that comment, I'm like, "Aren't you guys like the same age or something?" Like, you don't, <laughs> a few years difference. They are exactly the same age. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Born the same year. Uh. But on that senator, now that that plot line was kind of dropped from the film, wasn't it? Like after I think after that scene, you don't see her as a senator again for the rest of the film. No. I mean, that's pretty much. We don't never come back to that. No, but it puts uh, it puts mystique on his scent that he knows where Magneto is. Right. So then she goes to find Magneto and free Magneto. Yeah. She realizes what he's up to. Yeah. 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 So yeah. she starts well, investigating. He's, well, him. He uh, he's shown the plans of the president of the school, and she and. The senator's defending, oh, that's that's, that's nothing. That's a school. Yeah. Yeah, but the president, like, he's like, investigate it. He doesn't say, go raid it and kidnap and shoot <laughs> yeah. children. Investigate, yes. Investigate, yes. So, like, mm. also, just going off an, a photo like that, not mm. doing, also seemed very weird. And how on earth did he, like, it's, it's kind of unnerving the way how easily swayed the president was by a couple of photos, but he that the president doesn't question where that information has come from. Yeah. How did he know? It's not like something that you're just gonna rent like find. You well, have they, to be looking for it. Do they have X ray photos? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like as I said, like it wouldn't I know it can be futuristic sometimes, but they can actually see through the ground. that seems a little far yeah. stretched. Yes. Didn't question that one. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but all it takes is a photo that could have been photoshopped. And don't go, Photoshop wasn't around in 2003. It most certainly was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, even like a double exposure negative could have like oh, created that photo. Yes. Yeah. 
easily could have been faked. Like maybe go to send someone to the school before you send in the the military. What, was the government the government was aware of the school though, weren't they? No, they, they knew who Xavier was though. No. No? They knew who Jean Grey was because didn't she do a speech at the start? Yeah, but she's just an advocate. Yeah. Well, they kind of dropped that plot thread, didn't they, of her being an advocate for mutants. Apart from that speech at the start, you never see her do any sort of anything public like that again, do you? No. No. But you're not sort of taken into those sort of areas, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Well, it, it, seemed, it just seemed weird that they were public about it, defending it, putting himself in the public eye like that. Well, she was. Yeah. But they wouldn't have known where she... Well, they know who she is. Yeah, but they yeah. don't know that she's a teacher at the Xavier no, School for no, the Gifted that, and an X-Men. But if she's there, you know, advocating for human rights, like, well, who is this person? Oh, she works for this guy. Who's this guy? He's got a wheelchair with X's on it. <laughs> it's a bit weird. What do they call you? Yeah. Wheels? Um, probably the only character that doesn't get much screen time again is uh, Cyclops <laughs> or James Masters. Yeah. Ma- Sorry, James Marsden. Marsden. <laughs> Not Masters, Marsden. Marsden, yes. Uh, and like apparently there were more scenes of him, but they had to be cut for time. Yep. It's unfortunate, but you but it again, has to be done. Again, though, again, it's an all star, like an ensemble cast. Um, yeah, I think they did a, a. I mean, it's not noticeable he's not in it that much. He has a few good scenes. Yeah. Oh, uh, the scenes that he does have in it are pretty. Like the scene at the end with. After Jean dies, yeah, is, yeah. is absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, between him and Wolverine, is yeah, it's it's very. He gets a, his moment. Yeah, like it's d- a very this very emotional <laughs> scene mm. where where Wolverine's trying to calm him down, but also keep himself calm at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> mm. So and some fantastic acting from Hugh Jackman oh, in that yeah, scene. Brilliant. Round of applause, to you. You deserve it. Uh, the visual aesthetics of this movie. Uh-huh, um, yeah. There were plenty of. Yes. Yeah, so so this movie, like it looks really good, this movie. Yeah, like, the, effect, the effects, uh, the opening scene with Nightcrawler uh, teleporting is in and out <laughs> is, yeah. I, I mean, as I said, I like the design of the character and how he looked and, and that the and opening scene so to have creepy. in there. Yeah. Like it's really creepy, like him up on the ceiling and like they mm. open the door and all you see is like this black smoke. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's this very creepy, unnerving uh, action sequence. Uh, mm. And, yeah, the, the CGI holds up pretty well in this. I think I don't think they relied too much on CGI for this movie. I feel like a lot of it was practical and... Well, it's funny you say that the like the eyes for Mystique, this time she didn't wear contact lenses. They digitally altered them. I didn't even notice that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they... Little touch-ups, that's unnoticeable though. You can do that and get away with that and not even see it. Well, that's the best visual effects, aren't they? The ones you don't yeah. even notice are yeah. there. So that's, uh, and I think they may have done the same with um, Storm as well. Oh, yeah. So I think, she, no, she refused to wear the contacts. Yeah. So. Can't just roll her eyes. Can you do that trick? Or just looks, looks <laughs> like you're having a fit when you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but that that action sequence, at the, like all the action sequences are shot really well, like, Especially the scenes in the um, the mansion, like you know how recently, like a lot of movies and TV shows, are shooting things really dark and you can't see anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's all done at night with the lights out and you can see everything. Um, yeah, it's good lighting. 
Yeah. yeah. And it looks good, but it still looks like it's nice. Great cinematography. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And as I said, the they have relied more on makeup and practical effects rather than CGI. Because at the time, there was this overabundant use of CGI. Yeah, but it wasn't quite on the nose as it is these days where Oh no, it was I remember it being really bad back then. Like it was just No, but because uh, yeah. it was a new thing, everyone thought it was better, but it still wasn't that good and people like some directors overused it. And I think they used just the right amount for this. Um, I mean, they used a fair bit. There's even like the helicopter blades when they're sitting in the helicopter were CGI because they weren't allowed to have the helicopter running while they're sitting inside it. Okay. So yeah, again, lots of little things you just don't yeah, even notice. Yeah. Um, but as I say, on the nose where people are, are a little against using CGI at the time where even like remember the, remember the Star Wars film was coming out, they were boasting how they were using a lot more practical effects on the creatures and the characters and stuff like that yeah. uh, as, as you know, sort of more beating their chest. Hey, we're not going to rely on CGI for films and, you know, we're, we'll make it seem like it, you know. Um, no, I don't think it was really that bad then. Like the Oh, it was, I remember it being really bad. What do you mean on so, the nose bad or just bad in, in the actual quality of it? Just the fact that they would go straight to CGI. Like there was no, how can we work around this? And it would just be, we'll do it CGI, we'll do it CGI. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Whereas this one felt like they thought about it a bit more. Just think of like Green Lantern and his um, CGI costume. Yeah, that movie's not that old though. That's a lot more recent than what no, this came no. out. No, that was like 2000. Eight, maybe 2000 or as you say the Star Wars prequels are prime examples of overuse of CGI yeah 2011 it came out really yeah okay I thought it was yeah, earlier yeah. than that I'm saying it's a lot more recent yeah uh, okay so not Green Lantern uh, yeah so the the Star Wars movies yeah the, the Star Wars prequels but, but we love that example. we love that because it was it I really opened up what you could do and um Rewatching it just recently, when I, when I first saw those battle droids, I was like, what the fuck are these things? Yeah. You know, the way they were moving, the way they looked, they just looked real. And, and they still do, I think. Okay. So, so also the, uh, the only giveaway <laughs> that we, we are in the early 2000s is the hair. <laughs> the flicks. <laughs> the flicks for Menka and, and Halle, yeah, both Halle have Berry the have the flicks going I, you on. You know what? I remember I thought they were flickery, yeah. I thought they were bigger. I thought they were really out there. They're not as much as I remember. They like, never were. I thought they were like really flicky, like really like past her shoulders flicky. No, because generally if you had hair of that length, that's how you styled it because I used to have hair you had at that length, yeah. length and I, that's the way I used to style it because it was very easy to style that way. Yeah. I liked, I still like the flicks. Um, and I'll talk about the set design quickly. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, the movie has some really good set design, like like Magneto's plastic prison. Well, they had that in the first film. Yeah, yeah. and the base, like yeah. the the underground illegal medical <laughs> <laughs> medical military base, uh, also looks really yeah. disgusting and creepy. <laughs> well, speaking of set designs, the presidential mm. room, mm. the Oval Office, apparently they spent months building that set. <laughs> Uh, it's really attention to detail yeah. they did to that, and I think they even use it in some other films as well. Yeah. So that's uh, that's something practical effect that they built from scratch, and mm. yeah. 
Oh, I thought they just I thought they just asked the president if they could use <laughs> film in the Oval Office. So W was in there then? Hey yeah. George, you wonder if you are busy yeah. at the moment? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're still looking for those WMDs, are you? Two <laughs> thousands joke. Yeah. All right. What did you want to say? Uh I just want to bring up a few things. So a couple of things missing from this film, I've noticed. Yeah. Most notably, uh no Stan Lee. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, in fact, there's a few X-Men movies he wasn't in for some reason. He wasn't in Days of Future Past or Wolverine or First Class. Um, the reason he wasn't in them, uh, direct quote, nobody asked me. Ah. He was in the first one, wasn't he? Yeah. I don't think he was. No, I think he was because one of his first sort of cameos, okay. I, think, I think it might have been. Uh, and another thing missing from this film, there's no soundtrack. There's no like modern musical songs that they've used – in this film, if you've noticed. Yeah, that's very weird for a... Uh, I mean, it might make it seem dated a little bit when you sort of hear a song like... I can't even think of a, a popular song at the time that was out then. Um, but, you know, there was no Evanescence song or something like well, that. Well, when you think of Guardians of the Galaxy, which was quite heavily reliant on songs. Yeah. But, that, but they were quite deliberately songs from like the 80s. Yeah, because that's when he left Earth, so, yeah. the, so there was only really 70s and 80s songs, so it doesn't necessarily date a movie, I guess. Yeah. I, I think it's a thing with comic book films is they don't tend – well, I'm thinking of Evanescence. <laughs> <laughs> with, with, it's all I really remember of, uh, of Daredevil, but, yeah, no sort of um, power ballad song or anything like that uh, released for this movie. No, there isn't. Oh, n- not for this movie, yeah, no. Yeah. No, there was no there was no – no soundtrack attached yeah. to the movie. Which yeah. oh, there may have been. There may have been a soundtrack. Like yeah, just but it would the, have just been the score. Yeah, the score. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, all right. So I want to talk about the tone of this movie. Yeah. Because it's the wrong tone. This the tone of this movie is so much darker than the first movie, and you can really see the Empire Strikes Back. Influence. Well, isn't it the rule of the trilogies? The, the second one is always the darkest. Yes. When it comes to trilogies? Yes. And the third one's the worst? I don't know. <laughs> I oh, like the third one's just supposed to wrap everything up and yeah. conclude everything. And I think that was actually a line from um, X-Men Days of Future Past. No, or the I think it was for the Dark Phoenix or something that might have been a line from that. Oh, the third one's always the worst. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the yeah, second little... one's the darkest. The third one's the yeah, worst. Yeah. Uh, and you get... These levels of social commentary uh-huh. um, in here, like um, reflecting real world issues, um, which is what X Men was sort of based around yeah, civil yeah. rights about yeah, yeah. civil rights discrimination. Yeah. Um, so continuing on with that, turning it to modern day sort of uh, yeah. so uh, discrimination issues. and prejudice. Yeah. Common theme running throughout all X Men comic books. Movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but this one, you get also, you know, you, you get the lens of discrimination, like through the lens of the Mutant Discrimination Act. Um, you know, they raid a school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think I brought that up before. Yeah. Raiding a school, like that scene is just so brutal. Mm. The fact that they send the military into a school like that. Yeah. With the, you know, almost the permission of the president. Like, Mm -hmm. the way that Lady Deathstrike dies. Oh, yeah. uh, It's absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, It never sat well with me. Like, like, it's meant to be like, oh, they killed, 
you know, she is she was a a real adversary for for Wolverine. Um, but she wasn't in control. <laughs> like she was yeah. brainwashed. Yeah. You could see that her you saw her getting brainwashed. You could see that well, she you was didn't under see the effect. Her, yeah. You, no, you did. You see him pull her. She, well, no, what you see is you see her self come back to no, you no, see her come that, back to herself. Before that, before that, you see him like she starts to come to and starts to freak out a little bit. And yeah. Stryker grabs her neck and puts the serum onto oh, the back right. of her yeah, neck. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then within the fight, after he stabs her with the elementium pressure hose on yeah. this and fills her body with elementium, which is mm-hmm. probably the only thing that would actually kill her. Yeah. Uh, and as he stabs her with it, the her eyes turn back to normal. Yeah. And then she gets these... Her eyes, you know, you know, sort of the the elementium starts coming out of her well, eyes. Elementium tears, almost. They, they almost look like tears, and yeah. then she, you, then you hear that horrible clank at the bottom so of. It's the, almost a bit of a comedic sort of clank as oh, well. It's horrible. <laughs> it's, a bit, it's, it's a bit. Oh, geez, really? Oh, a bit <laughs> nasty, isn't it? Yeah, um, but the fact that she was under duress, like she didn't have mm. control of herself, yeah. like it, it was almost like couldn't you just restrain her? Like, did you really have to? You couldn't have held out in a fight with her just a little bit longer. No, yeah. Like, like it just seemed so. Such a waste, didn't it? So yeah, unfair. Yeah. Like, I, I understand why they did it because you know Wolverine sort of was you know had to grapple with his his own power and the misuse of power. So very sad. Very sad. But death. also, you've got this unethical medical experimentation into something. Like again, I'm gonna bring up Guardians of the Galaxy mm-hmm. <laughs> again. Yeah. Um, that was a big part of the recent Guardians of the Galaxy three. Who is this um, brutal, unchecked uh, experimentation mm-hmm. uh, where the the mutants are just treated like animals? Yeah. Um, there was no informed consent. Like everything about it was unethical. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why he kidnapped the kids in the first place. Oh, he said so to make sure that when he reset Cerebro, yeah, they were the test to make sure it worked. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He does actually say that's why oh, the kids yeah. are there. Yeah. Oh, that to makes make sense. sure that he. Well, they think of everything. <laughs> Pretty efficient, that striker. Yep. Reverend Stryker. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the human rights violations going on within mm. this little shadow government agency, so to speak. Yeah. Um, all, all of this is very, very, very dark. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very Third Reich. Yes. Um, so then we can talk about the themes and metaphors well, of this movie. Uh, well, I'll bring you bring that up. So the scene with um, Bobby... Yeah. Going to his parents' house. Yeah. And so apparently Ian McCallan sort of worked with the writers on this scene yeah. to make it seem more organic. Of course, him being gay himself and has lived through this. Yeah. So the scene where he tells his parents that he's a mutant, which I'm I'm not really sure how they didn't know that what this place was, but anyway, that's another thing. And it's basically it's played out as a coming out scene. Yeah. It, it's and and that's it's really and it's done really well, and uh, quite emotional too. I think the, the way they 
yeah. the responses to it is, is what I find interesting as well. But yeah. They don't really so, know what to make of it. So the mum uses the line, <laughs> have you tried not being a slayer? Have I mean, tried? sorry, have you tried not being a mutant. gay? A mutant. I mean, mutant. A mutant. <laughs> As I said, you can, you know, as Buffy did it as well. With yeah. the, have you tried not being a slayer? Have you yeah. tried not being gay? Um, have you tried not being a mutant? The Holy Trinity has been completed. Slayer, mutant, gay. Yes. Um, but that's also another thing that's done it is, you know, that identity and acceptance. Um, and his family just really, they do not. Just reject him. Yeah. They fully reject him. Um, his brother turns him in. Yeah, um, and you have him sort of, you know, there's a number of characters that are grappling with, you know, their mutant powers and the complexities of societal acceptance and rejection. Yeah. So. Interesting enough, so Bobby Drake Iceman's character, they actually would uh, write as gay later in the comics as well. Yeah. So maybe inspired from that scene maybe or not? Maybe. So, yeah, so you got the little allegory of him being gay. The film using mutants as an allegory to comment on experiences of marginalised groups. Um, there's a good example of that when you talk about the bad guys in this movie. Because mm-hmm. though you have Magneto and Xavier, they want the same thing. But they're just yeah. going about it in different ways. Yeah, they Different methods. Different methods. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then you bring in Stryker. William Stryker who has very interesting motivations because it was the fact that his son was a mutant Mm. uh, and he went to Xavier for help. But what he wanted, when he says help, he wanted a cure for his son, whereas Xavier could only offer him support (laughs) and how to use his power. Um, um, So I feel like this does feel like an allegory for autism. Because um, I know there are a number of charity organisations or so-called chari- charity organisations um, and their goal is to look for a cure, which normally the giveaway is a puzzle piece in the logo. Um, and autism isn't a puzzle to be solved. Um, doesn't need to be fixed. And perhaps they just need acceptance and understanding. Uh, but, you know, it also works as an allegory for conversion therapy, mm. um, religious organisations, um, trying to change an individual's sexual orientation and gender identity. Yeah. Um, Just keeping all the bases covered on this one. Uh, so you also have a lot of uh, fear and misunderstanding. You know, you've got society's inability to understand mutants and their power leads to the atmosphere of suspicion and hostility. This commentary reflects the fear of the unknown that can drive prejudice and perpetrate stereotypes. We also have themes of power and oppression. Um, The film examines the relationship between power and oppression. Um, Mutants possess extraordinary abilities and some individuals seek to exploit or suppress them for personal gain. Well, see, Stryker's using them to take him down as well. Yes. So he uses Nightcrawler yep. to threaten the present to show how dangerous they are, but he creates that situation yep. in the first place yep. in order to get what he wants from the president. 
Yeah, and it does mirror real world dynamics where those those in power may seek to control and oppress individuals or groups deemed, you know, different or threatening. Um, and you've sort of got the parallel with, you know, the struggle for equal rights um, underscores the importance of uh, recognising and respecting the rights of all individuals and regardless of their differences and being an advocate for equal rights. is Pretty much... That's X-Men in, in a nutshell. <laughs> yeah. Um, but they never get in trouble for being too woke. I don't think they're woke though. But they are. What do you think being woke is? Um, I think being woke is being, uh, being overly sensitive for other people, not you. So it'd be like the X-Men weren't mutants and were advocates for mutants. Who, uh, that's, <laughs> that's, what the, that's what that would be. That would be offended uh, for them, not be offended. See, I thought being woke just meant that you were just informed on. No, I th- well, the woke, what being woke, you know, in commas, I guess, usually means that you're not one that's being um, marginalized, but you're offended on behalf of people who are marginalized and, and forever, forever pointing out other people's uh, ability to be. Um, or being over prejudiced or being sexist in in ways that probably aren't, but you're saying people would be on behalf of them. So that that's what I think the woke part is. Well, okay. I believe anyway. I could be wrong on that one, but that's the no, way I'm I see look, it. I'm just looking at what the meaning actually is. Yeah. And because what you said is probably what um, I think a lot of. Um, Go on, say it. What? <laughs> a lot of what, Eddie? Conservatives. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what a lot of conservatives think being woke means. But actually, it just means you're aware of... Well, see, woke is a derogatory term to use for people who are advocates for the, for people's mm. rights and stuff. So it's 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 almost like the, the word Nazi is like... Not, the, the Nazis didn't call themselves Nazis. Yeah. You know, but, other people called them Nazis. I'm not saying that's they're Nazis, but I'm saying... It's a derogatory yeah. term used so for people. It actually, well, it actually just means aware of the activity and important, actively attentive to important facts and issues. It really doesn't mean anything, does it? <laughs> just, you, well, you're as aware I said, I thought it just means be aware of what's got like be aware of social yeah, issues it, it's, going on around yeah. you. I mean, everyone can have their own interpretation of what being woke means, but um, so I wouldn't call the X Men woke. Oh, they're definitely woke. They're very woke, but not in a derogatory way. <laughs> well, I don't think they're woke in any way. Like, I don't... Anyway, that's my opinion. Yeah, that's because you're a conservative. Oh, God. <laughs> you're fired. Get out of here. Um, All right, can we move on from that? Um, a few things I want to mention. Yeah, what do you want to mention? Uh, the car, Eddie. The, the bloody car. The X-Men uh, car. Yeah. So, the car, the blue RX-8 Mazda oh, God. car. So I think they used the movie as a... Ad as well. Well, that's probably the only sort of product placement. Well, there's plenty of product placement. You've got the Dr. Pepper in there, which in other countries is just called soda. I think in America they dub it to where he says there's Dr. Pepper in the fridge. Um, so the RX-8 is a well, – the Mazda cars, a famous Japanese cars. I remember even when we saw the film, I remember seeing an ad for that car. Yeah. And I remember that car was everywhere. And it was the same color too, the same blue color. And then you yeah. see that car in the film – um, so obviously it was uh, product placement in there. 
It's a uh, the RX eights uh, predecessor, uh, predecessor was the RX seven, which is also a popular car. The rotary engine it has Eddie. Do you know what the rotary engine is? Dare I ask? It goes it goes around. <laughs> uh, well, look, I'm not a car guy. I'm not. I know a little bit about cars, but I know that the flywheel is mounted horizontally instead of vertically of the engine. So why does that make a difference? Uh, because it does. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it does some, I don't know, it's those Japanese cars are ni- nice and zoomy, so it's, it's makes this, it's got this rotary sound when it, of the flywheel when it revs, it's got a distinct sound to it. Um, it also had suicide doors too. What a suicide, oh, is that the one? So they open outwards, the, or the back oh. doors open outward. So it has the two front doors that sort of open normally, like long sports car doors, but mm. the, ba- the back doors, I don't know if you n- see it in the film, but they opened outwards as well, so you can get into the, whatever the... A poor excuse for a back seat those cars would have, I'd imagine. Probably just enough to fit a, a plastic bag in there or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Would you shut up about the car? So apparently Halle Berry gave up Jilly to be in this film. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's true. I question that one. Because that was Ben Affleck and Things film. So Jennifer. I'm Jennifer Lopez. So I don't know why she'd have been in it. And maybe as another character or something. I don't know. There were no other characters in that movie. Yeah. So Halle Berry will have said the gobble gobble line, you reckon? Yeah. It's turkey time. Huh? Gobble gobble. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you also have the fact that um, so Stryker is trying to perform genocide. Yeah, just a, a small genocide. Just a small genocide of all the mutants. Yeah. And then I started reading up on the <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole. Um, reading, oh, okay. up, reading up on the 10 stages of genocide. Oh, God. Do we have to go through those? Um, maybe just Google it. Um, maybe just Google it on <laughs> the 10 stages of genocide. Uh, but funny, the, pers- the first uh, stage is classification and the second stage is symbolization. Okay. So you have to, you know, label and put a little mark on it. <laughs> Identify them, yeah. Identify. The next. Um, then the third is discrimination, where you start changing laws to make their lives a little less easy. So, yeah, anyway, go look it up. Uh, so, uh, but m- mentioning that uh, with the Cerebro, 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 yeah, scene. So, when he switches it to, to kill all humans instead, yeah, now. I'm not putting, pointing out potholes, but basically did like 5 million people just have the maddest um, ice headache of all time yes. or something? Yeah. Like I just kind of think like what the ramifications for that. Remember that movie, uh, TV show, The Event? Was it The Event where everyone passed out uh, yeah, for yeah. 10 seconds or something like that? Yeah. And like the repercussions for that and we see like people who were surfing all drowned, planes crashed. Yeah. I kind of feel like that was actually a devastating Event, event already, even if they didn't, if yep. they didn't complete it, like like planes or people driving cars and oh, traffic controllers and stuff like that. If everyone had like going started having a seizure at once, yeah, would have a huge ramifications for the planet. Um, so many people die or would have died, I reckon, just from that. Yeah, it's millions, yeah. I think, already. As soon as he started yeah, doing that. That is a little bit of a plot. <laughs> yeah, well, it's one of those but frightening even, things when you think when about the, it. But even when the mutants started doing that, it well, would have it, still been a... Well, obviously, yeah, but there's significantly less mutants. I mean, yeah. I'm not sure what they say the population. Let's say 100 million. 
and then the rest are all human, which yeah. is you know five point eight billion people all having a seizure at once. So um, I've, I've yeah maybe uh, maybe a slight plot hole on that one. I suppose it would have meant he succeeded in some way, Magneto. I guess because that would have killed millions of people alone. Yeah, that would have committed actually. That probably would have committed more genocide than what Stryker did, if you think about it. Yeah, except genocide is where you try to actually wipe out an entire... <laughs> what? Which is what, yeah. He can take a lazy hundred million, all right, yeah. and, and move on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could say a hundred million people probably would have died in that scene. Easy. Well, unless it was sort of a distance thing, like so... And it didn't quite get to full, hmm. full power, so yeah. to speak. Well, it was Maybe. long enough. I mean, if everyone has a seizure for 10 seconds... I think it's devastating enough. Yeah, but it might not have travelled that far hmm. that quickly. Well, it was showing people like having well, seizures I don't, and I stuff. Don't, I don't know what the speed of speed of <laughs> brain speed of is as well. I mean, it, it showed silhouettes of people like on the ground cowering, holding their heads. So maybe just just America. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. All Which right. is a lot. Yeah. Just the continent of America. Just the continent. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Jane Grey at the Start of the movie when she's having issues with her powers. Yeah. Uh, she starts hearing um, – she's not just hearing the people around her. She's actually hearing – Spoilers. Echo- yeah, she's actually hearing <laughs> echoes of the future. Yeah. 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 So she's sort of getting this premonition ability. Of things to come, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the fact that she also sacrifices herself because yeah. uh, she caused the – Collapse of the dam because again she couldn't control her her powers. Yeah. So that will play out in the next one. movie. If you want to watch it or don't, you can skip that one. I think. No, I don't think I will. Power and responsibility. Oh, don't say it. What? Don't say it. I'm not going to say it. You're going to say the line. Aren't I'm you? not going to say the line. Okay, mutants possess incredible abilities, and the film highlights the moral obligations that come with their powers. Characters such as Professor X and Wolverine face dilemmas that force them to question the use and abuse of their abilities. Um, and okay, this, I could just summarise everything you're going to say, Eddie. What? With great power. <laughs> you're <laughs> not going to say responsibility. the line. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but any, like, <laughs> this is where I went down the Logan um, rabbit hole because... It's heavily implied in Logan that Xavier is the one that accidentally kills all the X-Men when he has a seizure. Yes, yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah, I think there's like a a, a great, great piece. I mean, we're not talking about a different film, but that's a great be- great piece of exposition on how to do it properly. Because yeah. you hear a news, uh, he's in a, driving in the car and you hear a radio announcer saying a seizure happened, something similar that happened in such and such. They killed all the ex and he, and he turns the radio off. Yeah, yeah, I think that's all you get. Uh, so, yeah, it's heavily implied that Saviak ended up killing most of the mutants yeah. and then, inadvertently. And then the other reason that there aren't as many mutants is because they've been doing science on the crops. Mm. Um, oh, so the food, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. That's right, yeah, yeah. They're they're genetically altering the crops so that mutations don't occur as frequently. Hmm. Whole another yeah. ethical sort of uh, question, yeah. to and that also deals with uh, medical. <laughs> I think there's some medical experimentation going on in that one as well. well yeah, got to 
you got to perfect your results, haven't you? Somehow. Yep. Mm. All right. So we should probably get on to. Yep. Uh, get on the question time, Eddie. I think so. question. All right, Eddie, uh, which character was your favourite? It's got to be Wolverine. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, I went Nightcrawler. Yeah? I really liked Nightcrawler. It's probably because he's, this is the only film he's in. Um, and the design of the character still looks good to yeah. this day. Like yeah. to make it uh, – it's, it's, I mean, it's, I'll say original. I mean, he's kind of similar to Mystique, but um, – yeah, his powers and, and and what he can do, and and just the religious aspect of the character as well, I've just found interesting. Although the the religious tones aren't in the movie that they are in the comics and stuff like that, uh, but him having being religious is quite an interesting sort of take, I believe, and uh, and just an underutilized character, I think, in, in yeah. future films. But he also calls himself a demon. Yeah, <laughs> like he thinks he's evil. Yeah. And like even when he starts like doing the prayer when Jean Grey dies, yeah, yeah, it's quite well, quite a nice sort of moment that he adds that he adds to that, yeah, somber moment. So yeah, no one asked him to do it; he just felt like it was something he should do. Uh, yeah, so good on you, Nightcrawler. Uh, next question, Eddie. LOL moment. Uh, it's got to be between Wolverine and Bobby in the kitchen. It's the <laughs> got any beer, and he's like, "This is a school." So that's so a that's no. A no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a no. Got anything other than chocolate milk? <laughs> <laughs> also, also, I do like the you picked the wrong school, bub. <laughs> What's yours? Uh, I liked Rogue piloting the jet. <laughs> <laughs> Women drivers are. Am I right, Eddie? Am I right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, she did well not to crash it. Yeah, but it felt very realistic the way that she was behaving. After she's driven it is the fact that she was absolutely fucking terrified. <laughs> a, okay, you can let go now. You can let go. <laughs> and, but she's she's shaking. She's yeah. terrified. Like it was actually a really good yeah, yeah. portrayal of what would be going on if that happened. Mm. Like a bad example of this is like in Jurassic World and, you know, the kids and they jump off that waterfall and then they crawl out and they start like giggling as they're crawling out of the water. Mm, yeah. When, yeah, yeah. When the actual real reaction, like if there was a real reaction to that, it would be that they would be fucking trembling I, I just and think terrified. That, yeah, in complete shock. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. yeah, not giggling. Not giggling. No, no. Okay, next question, Eddie. Favorite fight scene? Well, I think there's only one answer to that, is there? I think there's a few answers to that. Well, there this. probably is a few, isn't there? Uh, yeah, I'll go Wolverine in the mansion. Zerka mode, yeah. Um,. Though the yeah. the fight scene between her and, and Lady Knight, Lady Deathstrike, no? Death was a well choreographed fight scene, like with both actors fighting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you can't go past Berserker mode. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but also there's the the fight scene at the start with Nightcrawler in the Oval Office. Well, it's not really a fight scene. He's well, just, it is. He's not really. F- he's he gets of, shot. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Takes out a few people. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it's a great scene. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so next question, Eddie. Most iconic or favourite scene? Okay, again, Wolverine in the mansion, but specifically when he jumps off the balcony and like kills like like he jumps off that. Is it a balcony or balustrade? Or yeah, yeah. 
Uh, he <laughs> comes flying off that uh, to rescue Rogue and Iceman and Pyro. And he comes flying off that and like kills like four guys. Mm. Like full berserk. Like full, as you said, full berserko. Mm. What yeah. about you? Um, Jean's death. I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Iconic scene. It still resonated with me, her death. Yeah. And I think it's the great acting of James Marston and Wolverine. Um, oh, okay, Wolverine. Yeah, he's Wolverine. Uh, Hugh, <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Jackman yeah. Uh, their, re- their reaction to the scene as well is what really brings it. Like, yeah. someone can die on in a film and it could be sad or not or laugh or it could be funny. But the way the characters react to that death is what brings the emotion to that scene. And the emotion from them too of... The two people that loved her the most. And, yeah, and when Wolverine says oh, she's gone and, and, and Cyclops gets angry and starts, like, punching him virtually and... But he's also repeatedly saying it to himself yeah, as well. Yeah, and he's it's just like, saying she's, she's gone. gone. She's, she's gone. gone. She's yeah. gone. She's gone. And it's almost like he's holding back because he knows if he cries too much, it would affect him as well. Yeah. Like, that's also something... Because he, he kind of knew that was not up to something, but... He was trying to steal her or something, but he, yeah. it almost seemed like it's a. Hope. I think he had made it pretty clear that he'd been try- hitting on her constantly. Yeah, so I I think that was also in there as well. Like he, he had to show restraint. Yeah, where if he showed too much emotion, it, it would obviously reflect of how much he was in love with her and would be inappropriate. I yeah. felt. I yeah. feel. So that that was just a really great emotional scene, and yeah, and, and watching it. Twenty years later, it's still it was still emotional. So yeah, yeah. I really think that's a, it's an amazing scene. Yeah, yeah. That's, I still feel that all these years later. Yeah, um, I think I also have to mention another iconic scene that we haven't talked about, and it's the Magneto escape. Um, but it's really two scenes because you also get Rebecca Romay injecting. <laughs> <laughs> you get yeah. her in human form. Which he, yeah, he yes, yes. Which he Probably the favourite scene to shoot, I'd imagine. Didn't um, have to spend four hours of makeup prior to it. Yeah, um, and she is absolutely hilarious in the scene. <laughs> yeah. She's like, oh, I think it's, oh, Velcro. <laughs> <laughs> Classy. <laughs> and then he's like, isn't it kind of dirty in here? And she's like, that's the point. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, it's, it's a very funny, funny yeah. scene. Um but then Magneto's escape was very reminiscent of Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal Lecter's escape. Yes, it was, yeah. Um, yeah. And it was a – the director said that was the influence for the And Brian the Cro- Cox actually played Hannibal Lecter. Who? Brian Cox. When Mag- a striker in Mindhunter. Oh, okay. Yeah. I yeah. didn't I've never seen that. that film. Yeah. I, I had no idea he was Hannibal Lecter in yeah. that film. I haven't seen that. I don't yet. know if he's like the main character. I think he is. But I think that's why he wanted uh, Cox in the film because of that that role. Oh, okay. So, yeah, there, what, there was some Silence of the Lambs influences in that. And, yeah, and very, very reminiscent. I think even like the classical music playing as well. Yeah, yeah. Because he did that something similar happen yeah, with that. I think that, it's also it? that, that gleeful look he has on his face as he's sort of shooting the the. The yeah. me- metal through the, we call it the yeah. liquid metal. Well, there was, yeah, there was that scene in in, uh, in Silence of the Lands where he starts beating the the guy and the blood's going yeah. on his face, yeah. and he and I think he has he has that sort of face where he's yeah. enthralled in the moment. Yeah. So yeah. Um. Definitely inspired. So yeah, there's there's quite a few iconic scenes in this. Yeah. Um. Most iconic or favorite quotes. I'll go with the opening quote. Of the movie, which is mutants. 
Since the discovery of their existence, they have been regarded with fear, suspicion, often hatred across the planet. Debates rage. Are mutants the next link in evolutionary chain or simply a new species of humanity fighting for their share of the world? Either way, it's a historical fact sharing the world has never been humanity's defining attribute. No, just, yeah, ask the Neanderthals. <laughs> no, you can't. They're dead. <laughs> yes. Uh, my favourite quote, I'm just going to make it simple, Liddy. Have you ever tried not being a mutant? I shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to. Have you ever tried not being a mutant yet? I also had the, the B line as well, but I think you, you already had that one. That was also a good one. Um, so moving on to the next question, Eddie. Who gets the wooden spoon in this movie? Who gets the wooden spoon? Um, I'll give it to Stryker. Um, yeah? Yeah, I think he went too big too soon. Mm. Yeah, probably needed to... Get a bit more information well, on the that. The bad guy's score. always gonna gonna lose, so you know. I think he had all the informa- more information than what he could have. Yeah, got, probably what he didn't count on was Magneto getting out of prison and he didn't he didn't realise that Mystique was Yeah, uh, that's probably in, the only thing play. he missed. I suppose he had, he's, he's he had, playing a game of chess at yeah, this point. He had, all, he had all these dominoes, all these pieces in the right spot, but he he was uh Blindsided by mistake. Yeah, she flanked him with that, and that, and that was yeah. Then that was the uh, game changer on that yeah. one. Because without her, he would have succeeded pretty yeah. much. Um, I actually gave the wooden spoon to Colossus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Poor I was Colossus. Actually, I know. Peter, do you know what his name is? What? Peter Rasputin. Rasputin. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Did you know that? I think I did read it. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's funny. That's his name, Peter Rasputin. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Peter is P I O T R, by the way. All right. The Russian version. Peter. Okay. Because he's meant to be Russian, which they kind of retcon in this film to be just a uh, frat guy, I guess. Oh, no, he's sort of Russian. He had a Russian accent. Did he? Yeah, Colossus is always meant to be Russian. But I never thought he was a Russian in this film, in these films. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I mean, especially, barely... especially in like Deadpool. Oh, but Deadpool's a different character, though. It's not the same. Per... It is the same. It's the same character, but it's not the same character. You know, cinematic character. I never, I never noticed the X Men movie guy speaking Russian. He always sounded hardcore American to me. Okay, I thought he sounded a little. No, not. A... Okay. I, I know. He barely, I was... he barely has any lines. Well, he only has anyway. a few lines. Um, I mean, look, he's not a bad character, but he just seems an important character that just never got fleshed out. Just, just too many characters. And he seemed a little too old to be in the school as well. Oh, he was just muscly. That, that's yeah. part of the mutation. Yeah, yeah, I guess. That, that's the problem with the whole mutant thing is that they age differently. Yeah, so true. you but can't really judge a mutant you know, I by felt how he, they look. He never quite got to use his powers. All they do is just have him walking around with a TV to make him <laughs> just so you know he's strong. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that's his power. Like you just see him walking around with a TV sometimes. I know maybe it was in the third movie you see him walking around with a TV. I can't remember. Okay. But that's the thing. He's just, just got it holding a TV, like a massive TV. Like back in the days when TVs used to weigh a ton, all right? So I know they're heavy. Yeah. Um, Especially those bloody flats, those flat screen tube televisions, like the front of those used to be so fucking heavy. Yeah. Um, who gets the Oscar, Eddie? Well, there's actually a bunch of uh, Oscar winning actors <laughs> in this movie. This is actually a like hard a one lot. to pick. Like, there are a lot of Oscar-winning actors in this. So... There's not only two. Uh, Ian McKellen? Are you counting him? Did he win an Oscar? Yep. 
What for? Um, Monsters. I think the movie's called Monster. Okay. It's about a writer who was gay. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Uh, Halle Berry. Halle Berry. Anna Paquin. Anna Paquin. Hugh Jackman. What did Hugh Jackman get an Oscar for? Blame is. Did he? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, So four? So that's four. Patrick hasn't got one. Patrick hasn't got one. Alan Cummings? I'm pretty sure he's been nominated. Yeah, I don't think he's got one. He didn't get... He got... Snubbed for Son of the Mask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Robbed. Four. Well, four, that's a lot. That's a lot for yeah. a movie. Yeah, so so who did you pick an Oscar winner then? I actually did pick an Oscar winner. I didn't uh, realise you um, won one. <laughs> uh, and again, an ensemble cast, so, and everyone gets a fair amount of screen time, so it's, it's really hard to sort of... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think, I think I'll just give it to the, the scene... Everyone in that scene at the end when Gene dies, like all of their reactions are just perfect. Oh, come on. I had to pick one. you got to pick one. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, just off that scene, I'll, I'll go with Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman? Yeah, just okay. from that scene. We want to say thank you so much. Um, well, yeah, I gave it to another Oscar winner, Sir Ian McCallum. Okay. Any 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 scene in particular? Um, well, I, actually, rewatching it, there was the scene where he was. Oh, pretty much every scene he's in. <laughs> um, probably the one where he's when Xavier goes to see him, and yeah. uh, it's when he he says that oh, I told Striker everything. Ah, uh, yeah. And uh, and as he, and as the gas is coming in and they're passing out, he's like, "You should have killed me when you had the chance, <laughs> Xavier." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, every, everything he does is, um, even like the... There's that conversation with him and Pyro. Yeah. Um, when he says, what's your name? And he's like, oh, Chad Smith or whatever it is. Yeah. What's, what's your real name? But it was also the fact that the first thing that Pyro does is he puts down his his ability. Yeah. Because he's like, I can't create the fire. I can only manipulate it. Yeah. And he and, says, and his, you're and, a god against ants or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Which kind of turns Pyro in the end. Like, yeah, he uh, he, uh, he knew exactly what to say. He was manipulating him from the from the get go. But Pyro already. It seemed like he already had like one foot out the door, didn't it? Yeah. So because yeah. you already see him attacking, like he attacks the guy in the museum. Yeah. He attacks the police. Yeah. Um, oh, uh, interesting fact: the uh, the people in the in the at the end, or the freeze people, were all mimes. Apparently. Oh, really? I don't know if that's true or not. <laughs> I don't think that's true. We'll say it's true. So they're all mimes just holding still. Like it wasn't yeah. a... wasn't one of those flash mobs. Remember flash mobs? <laughs> nope. Okay. That's a phase. I'm glad it died out. All right, let's wrap this up, Eddie. Final question. What do you rate this out of 10 using something from the movie? All right. I will go 8 out of 10 bloobs. Is that pairs of bloobs or... Pairs of bloobs. So... That's 16 bloobs. So. <laughs> 16 bloobs. Uh, I gave it nine mutant lizard tongues. <laughs> that is the worst power to have. He just sticks he his tongue had, out. He might have had other powers, but, oh, but just, that was just his physical mutation. He stuck, he stuck out a fork tongue. That's all he did. Yeah. Yep. Okay. He might, have had, he might have had Maybe other... Maybe he could climb walls or something. Yeah, he yeah. might have had other abilities. Yeah. Just, you don't know. Yeah. All right, Eddie, I, I think... Uh, was there anything, last little things you wanted to sneak in? 
Oh, no. No. I oh, know. Justice for Lady Deathstrike. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely an unfairly treated character. Yeah. And you could see the light go out. Her comeback. That's it. The, the light, light doesn't com- go out. It comes back in her eyes when she dies. It's yeah. the opposite, isn't it? Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's just wrap this up, hey? Well, I uh, hope you've enjoyed listening to us tonight. We are Nerd Subculture. My name is Jared. I'm Edwina. Are you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Great. Uh, so where can you find us, Edwina? Well, you can find us on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter. There's a Facebook page. Um, and if you want to help out the podcast, um, go to our merch store. Off on, you can find the link on the socials. Yes. Great. Do all those things like, share, subscribe, check us a comment. It all helps. Till next time, take care. Bye. Bye. time.